Jesus said, you cannot serve God and mammon. Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth. The first word of the Ten Commandments was they were to have no other gods. If we love our wives, children, or anything first instead of God, we are breaking the first word, the first commandment, for they have become our God in life. No one can serve two masters, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24. No other gods before Yahweh. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Matthew Henry writes, Pride makes a God of self. Covetedness makes a God of money. Sensuality makes a God of the belly. Whatever is esteemed or loved, feared or served, delighted in or depended on, more than God, that, whatever it is, we do in effect make a God of. And that's the simple truth Pastor Xavier wishes to illustrate in today's study concerning the first of the Ten Commandments, titled, God is to be first. Let's listen. You shall have no other gods before me. The ones being addressed are the people of God. Don't miss that. The prohibition is personal and individual. The phrase you shall is in the second person singular. The prohibition was to every man and woman individually without exception that were entering covenant with God. The people, notice, heard Yahweh by their own and with their own ears. Listen to the record. In Exodus 19.9, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in the thick cloud, and the people may hear when I speak to you and believe you forever, that they may hear. Exodus 20, 19 and 20, it says, Then they said to Moses, You speak with us, and we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, and that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. Deuteronomy 4.10 And I will let them hear my words, and they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children. First them, then the children. How are we doing there? Deuteronomy 4.36 Out of heaven he let you hear his voice, that he might instruct you on the earth to show you his great fire. And you heard his words out of the midst of the fire. Deuteronomy 5.4, the Lord talked with you face to face on the mountain from the midst of the fire. Face to face. Deuteronomy 5.23, so it was when you heard the voice from the midst of the fire while the mountain was burning with fire that you came near to me, all the heads of your tribes and your elders. Deuteronomy 9.10, then the Lord delivered to me the two tablets of stones written with the finger of God, and on them were all the words of the Lord Yahweh had spoken to you on the mountain, spoken to them on the mountain, from the midst of the fire and the day of the assembly. You understand the emphasis, the repeating? Kind of hard to get away from it, isn't it? Now notice, the word spoken to the people of God was a basic and eternal principle. This was the absolute priority and fundamental requirement for anyone and all who would enter into covenant with this holy God, Yahweh. Jews by birth, Gentile by proselytizing. That was the only two ways. 
The first word, notice, is the foundation on which all other nine commandments are built and the reason for obeying them. If you believe, and you must believe this first one, then the rest stand on this foundation. And the very first one is the reason why you obey the other nine. You understand? The first table deals with man's relationship to God, as we said, the vertical. Now notice the progression. The first two deal with thoughts. The third one with words. The fourth one with deeds. Now this is the vertical axis. Thoughts, words, deeds. When you get to the second table of the law, man's relationship to man, it begins with deeds, just the reverse. It goes to words and it ends in thoughts. So, the ten words begin with the thoughts of man and finish with the thoughts of man. Why? Because he's God. He doesn't need information. (laughs) The reason being is that God is the only one who knows our thoughts from their origin. Psalm 139.2 I don't know them until I get them. He knows them before I get them. That is why the greatest commandment, when they ask the Lord, which is the greatest, he says, love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Deuteronomy 6, 5 says strength. That's the only difference. No big deal. Same thing. This is the primary one. If you don't have it here, the rest makes no difference. The church has become a social welfare. We're into helping people, feeding people, doing all these good causes, and they're calling themselves Christians. That's not being a Christian. Being a Christian is first loving God. And gain your orders from God. Being a Christian is not just doing good works. It's not feeding and clothing and, 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 and preventing AIDS and all that. Nothing wrong with that. But that's not the call of the church. That's not being a Christian. That's being a social worker. A philanthropist. There's a big difference. You understand? But when we're right with God, then he'll move us. He'll direct us. He'll guide us. He'll provide. And we do this for the love of Christ. You understand? To bring the gospel first because we know their lifestyle will not change unless the gospel comes to them. If I feed a person, if I clothe a person, now he's fed and clothed going to hell. Notice the declaration states clearly that Yahweh is to have the foremost and preeminent place in the hearts and minds of the Hebrews as the supreme object of worship. An important note here by J.A. Moyer in his commentary. Listen carefully. He points out that the negative command is far more liberating than the positive one. For a positive command restricts life to that one course of action. Whereas a negative command leaves life open to every course of action except the one. And then he illustrates it beautifully. Watch. When God gave Adam the command, one command to restrict him to not eat out of the one. You must not eat of the tree in the midst of the garden. Leaving him to eat from all other trees. The negative is more freeing. It only restricts you from that one and allows everything else to be okay. You understand? Usually we think the negative, and even today the psychologists, sociologists, all these eggheads, and they say, oh no, for every negative you got to give three positives. Shut up. You better read Genesis 3. A negative command is for a positive benefit. There's not to be no other God in place of Yahweh, not even one. The command notice is not saying that there are other gods. 
but simply that men have the propensity to make their own gods and worship them which are no gods. And Paul makes this clear in 1 Corinthians 8, 5. The command rather states that Yahweh's people are not to be drawn, seek after, or devote themselves to the gods of man's inventions. You understand? The reason is obvious. He alone had rescued them from it. From Egypt, and now they're entering into covenant with him. The covenant is like a marriage that demands and expresses absolute and sole loyalty and fidelity for life. And so, Yahweh, it's the same. Now, notice the reference before me, it explains the negative command. The phrase means face or presence, not so much in place of him, but in his sight. In his eternal awareness to antagonize him by refuting his eternal being worth of all devotion and all glory. Don't do it while I live. Well, you've got a problem. God's eternal. He'll never die. So what's he saying? Don't do it as long as you live or you might not live. You understand? Why? Because you're entering covenant with me. A man says, I'm going to take care of you, young lady, for the rest of your life. I'm going to give you my name. I'm going to give you my wallet. (laughs) She expects for that to be honored till death. That's what the Bible says. I know today it isn't. Some people, you ask, well, how long have you been married? Oh, 40 years. Oh, with the same woman? No, five. (laughs) No, no, no. It's not an addition. It's, you know, how many with one? You understand? (laughs) The reason being, he is a jealous God. Look at verse 5. He's a jealous God. Now, Oprah said that when she heard a preacher say, God is a jealous God, that's it. She blew it. She couldn't take it. So she had to think of God outside the box. Oprah should get in the box and stay in it. (laughs) She's the greatest deceiver in America of the emergent church and new age. Woe to her. He cannot stand any rival in the heart of man to replace him. He was and is the only true and living God. They had witnessed and been involved in gross polytheism in Egypt. They knew they were there. They were to be a monotheistic nation. The belief that there is but one God in contrast to polytheism of many gods. Listen to, and there are many scriptures, but Isaiah 6, 4 says, um, Deuteronomy 6, 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. One God, but the word there is a compound unity because it's one God, but in three persons. It's very specific, the Hebrew, you understand? I am the first, the last, beside me there is no God, Isaiah 44, 6. And that's a common phrase from Isaiah 40 all the way to the end. Deuteronomy 18.20. Listen how serious God is about this. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, in which I have not commanded them to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, small g, that prophet shall die. Do you think God is serious about his person? There were no atheists in the ancient Near East. Gods abounded of every kind. It wasn't until later that atheism arose. Listen to Joshua, even in the days of Joshua, Joshua 24, 15, when they entered the land. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord Yahweh, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served 
that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites, Elohim is the word, in whom the land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So he says, listen, you came from pagans. Don't forget. Now, who are you going to choose to serve? It's a choice, ladies and gentlemen. Atheists didn't exist so much later. Listen to David in Psalm 14.1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Literally, the Hebrew says, no God. Oh, that's it. It's over. God has to worry because some atheist says he doesn't exist no more. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. Wow. Anthropology teaches that man began with the concept of many gods and then refined to the belief in one God. But the Bible teaches the reverse. Man today believes in pantheism, that all is God. The trees is God, the plants is God, you're God. We're all we're all one. But God is separate and greater than what he created. You understand? God's eternal. You and I, we're very temporal. I used to have a natural. Don't laugh. In the 60s and 70s. But I'm losing my hair. I'm temporal. It used to be black. Now it's pretty gray. Man believes in reincarnation. But he is separate from the animal kingdom. And after he dies, is a judgment. You don't come back as an ant, as a cow, or anything else. What a lie. Why do they believe this? Because they don't believe that he's God. They don't believe in the God of the Bible. They believe in many gods. The emergent church teaches you that you are divine. And you must tap into your divinity through New Age meditation and contemplative prayer. Listen to Ezekiel 14.4. If you are into this stuff, listen carefully. Therefore speak to them and say to them, Thus saith the Lord Yahweh God Elohim, Everyone of the house of Israel who sets up his idol in his heart and puts before him that what causes him to stumble into iniquity and then comes to the prophet or the person of God, I, the Lord, will answer him who comes according to the multitude of his idols. God says, you hear about me, you don't make a decision for me, and you worship these other gods, and you come to people to ask about me, I will answer you according to your lie and your deception. What I've given you is light to dispel darkness. Once you reject it, it will become greater darkness toward you by your own doing and your hardened heart. You understand? Adam and Eve knew clearly that there was only one God. Genesis 1, 2, and 3. They talked with him. They walked with him. They received clear provisions, permission, and prohibitions from him. They knew in their disobedience they sinned, so they hid themselves. And God says, why did you hide? Well, you know, I'm naked. Who told you you're naked? Did you eat? Pretty specific conversation there. They were accountable to God, having to acknowledge their sin, confess it, and abandon it to be reconciled with God. And God made the first sacrifice, Genesis 3.21.
They paid a great price being cast out of the garden. They brought sin, nature, and death into the world, Romans 5.12. The thought of being like God deceived Eve. She believed the lie. Satan said, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Genesis 3, 5. The same lie. This is the rebellion of all rebellions. Satan started in heaven. Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28. I will be like the most high. And man thinks he's deified today. That is the greatest rebellion against God. And soon, each person who believes that will find out that they're nothing. Nothing but a creation of God. But too late. They continued in fellowship and the worship of God through sacrifice and hope of the Messiah to come in Genesis 3.15. That's the only hope. Noah knew there was but one God. Genesis 6. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord and he was called to build an ark to escape the judgment to come. He preached for 120 years but no one believed him. Yet, think about the timeline. Yet, 120 years, every one of those people who were alive probably were alive shortly after Adam and Eve. Because Adam and Eve, they all live hundreds of years, right? The last one, the longest one is 969 Methuselah. So they didn't read it from books. They were alive. They knew about a God. They knew about the creation. They knew about the fall. And they didn't believe. They didn't repent. They worshiped other gods. The Tower of Babel was built by men who knew there was but one God, but they did not want to acknowledge him, Genesis 11. They wanted to make a religious system to heaven apart from the one they knew. The corruption of their thoughts was both in creator and creation, worshiping the creature more than the creator, which is blessed forevermore, changing the natural use of the woman, the man, the homosexuality. Romans 1 is very, very clear. There's a commentary the loss of monotheism, the belief in one God, to polytheism degenerated the world prior to the flood and after the flood. In fact, the Judeo-Christian concept of God is monotheistic. One God in plurality, in contrast to monism, one absolute God without plurality. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, yet it's one God. The Trinity is taught from Genesis to Revelation. The first word Elohim is a plurality of God. The conversation, let's make man our image. Genesis 1.26. He wasn't talking to the horny tilted lizards. The New Testament tells us man has sufficient evidence for the existence of God by general revelation. Listen very carefully in Romans 1.18-21. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of man who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. They have the truth. They suppress it. Because what may be known of God is manifested in them. For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. The planets, the sky, you, everything. Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. Nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Paul again says in Romans 2, 11 through 16, listen carefully. For there is no partiality with God. For as many as have sinned without the law, that means Gentiles, will also perish without the law. And as many that have sinned in the law, Jew, will be judged by the law. For not the hearer of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. For when Gentiles, 
who do not have the law, by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves who show the work of the law in their hearts. Every person knows that killing, murdering, lying, stealing, coveting is wrong. Where'd you get that? You've got to work at callousing your conscience. You've got to work of reprogramming your heart. You understand? You've got to be indoctrinated. You've got to get so far away from God to believe the opposite of that. Their conscience also bearing witness and between themselves, their thoughts accusing and excusing them in the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Wow. Today God has been replaced by many gods. But they're basic three gods. The God of pleasure, Moloch, who was worshipped sacrificing their infants on his burning arms as they jumped up and down and cut themselves. They would sacrifice their children. It's still practiced today under the guise of abortion. You're out there partying, you get pregnant, so now the child's a little bit of a problem, so you get rid of them. You don't want your life interrupted. But that doesn't stop you. You still jump in bed and you get pregnant again and you get another abortion. It's the same old religion of Molech. God of pleasure. First Timothy 5, 6 says, But she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. And that goes for men too. It's a principle here. There's the God of Baal, the God of intellect. Explaining God away. Trusting in man's theories of evolution to deny man that he is created by God. Ignoring and contradicting good, solid scientific laws and principles, not to mention all the evidence of creation. The intellect, God of the intellect. So pleasure, the God of pleasure, and you have many of them. The God of the intellect, and you have many fields of that. In fact, Psalm 103 says, Know that the Lord, He is God. He is who's made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. But there's one more. The God of money. Mammon, possessing things, using people rather than God. For the love of money, the love of money is the root of all evil. For which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. 1 Timothy 6, 10 through 11. There's a contrast here. Nothing wrong with things, but when they grab a hold of you, that's wrong. If we love our wives, children, or anything first instead of God, we are breaking the first word, the first commandment. For they have become our God in life. No one can serve two masters. They will either hate the one and love the other, or else they will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and man. And Jesus said in Matthew six twenty four, the primary foundation was the first word. They were to have no other gods before Yahweh. Do you think he's changed? I don't think so. The first word of the Ten Commandments was characterized by these three things. The origin of the word was divine. The authority behind the word was Yahweh's. And the primary foundation is the first word. They were to have no other gods. Good stuff. Great foundation. It'll surpass any earthquake. It's a great foundation. I pray that's yours. It's only the first of ten. 
Well, that's Pastor Xavier Reese with a fitting close to our first of ten studies devoted to the Ten Commandments here on Simple Truths. Now, just before we close, let me quickly mention that copies of today's study titled God is to be First are available on CD for only $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. And that title to ask for once again is God is to be First. Or you can just mention today's date. Now, you may be interested to know we've bundled all 10 studies we have planned for the coming weeks highlighting the Ten Commandments into one audio CD album for the discounted price of $32. Or for those who prefer an MP3 format, we've combined all 10 studies on one disc for just $15 for the entire Ten Commandments series. That's Pastor Xavier's entire Ten Commandments audio series on CD for $32 or MP3 for $15. You can request your copy by writing... Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 